Thought Bubble Audio. And I'm Kelsey. And it's time to hate watch with us. Welcome to our show about the things we love and the things we hate and the things we love to hate. And this week we are coming in hot with like some very real things that we fucking hate. (laughs) We hate them. This is a week about the things we hate. Yeah. And there are many of them. There's so many. We kind of did this to ourselves. Yes. And it was right. We've known for a long time that this was something that we needed to do. Mm-hmm. And so here we are. And it will be all-encompassing of a great many things we have come to develop the feels about. Yes. Correct. But before but first, we do that... Yeah. <laughs> do you have a quarantine corner update? I do have a quarantine corner update. My quarantine corner update is that the turnip prices have been fucking trash for weeks. <laughs> and I am angry about it. What the fuck, Daisy May? I have a theory. Turnip recession? I think... That's my the theory. Nintendo caught on to everyone getting the algorithm, and so they tried to fuck with it. Um, I had a week where my where it was like 210 bells, and then it's literally been like trash ever since then. Yep. It was literally 32 bells one day. I was like, are you fucking <laughs> kidding me? Yeah. I'm playing it safe. I'm buying like one little handful and that's it. I didn't buy any this week because I'm just so fucking mad about it. That's fair. Yeah. I'm buying that's... them and then like not playing anymore. So that's also not a productive. <laughs> <way to laughs> no, do that this. doesn't help at all. <laughs> no. You're going to have so many fucking ants. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. That's all I got. <sighs> it's a good one. Yeah. It's topical. Relevant? Yeah. (laughs) Well, mine is neither of those things. (laughs) Excellent. This is a personal update to our series from like three years ago of rom-com dication. Oh, yes. And I would like to issue a formal apology for completely disregarding Bridget Jones's Diary as a piece of work. Yep. Because I had never seen it and... I've been listening to, if you don't happen to follow Podlander Drunkcast and Outlander Podcast, I don't know how you got here, but... Yeah, I mean, if you're listening to us and you're not listening to Podlander, then you've got it backwards. Yeah. But anyway, they're doing a... I'm never going to get this right. A Sostin Austin, Jane Austen series, a sub-series in the off-season, and they are the ones who informed me that Bridget Jones's Diary is a Pride and Prejudice adaptation. And not only that, but it's made by, like, one of the major Jane Austen film guys who does, like, all of the ones and thinks he's really special about it. And so I was rattled. <laughs> I felt betrayed <laughs> and lied to by the world for mm-hmm. the past, like, 15 years. And so I watched it this weekend. And it was, like, not bad i it was enjoyed fine. it it was i don't fine. know that i went that far when i watched it like it's dated but it's also kind of if i'm recalling the time when it came out it was probably like 
a lot for its time. It was like the nineties, that... right? Late nineties. Yeah, like it, it's really raunchy, probably for that time period in romantic comedies. Let's put it that way. Two thousand one. Hmm. It was fun. I liked it. I liked it more than I thought I would. And it was an educational experience that I hadn't had that I needed to have. <laughs> I'm so happy so. for you. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> this is also a teaser for possible upcoming content if we stick to our schedule. Which we totally will. We have a really fire schedule. It's a very good schedule. Years. You guys have a lot to look forward to in the next few weeks. I think we keep talking about that, but I just want to like reiterate that it's great. Well, I mean, our content plans are usually very good. Yeah. I mean, sometimes we've got some tough ones. It's fine. It's fine. Um, This week is not a tough one, though. This week is... I mean, it is, but... This week was tough for me, personally. Yeah. And you, personally. Yeah. Maybe not so much for you out there. (laughs) So I think you and I have taken a hard stance, and those who have been with us know this. Yes. That... We will not fucking watch Ozark because we think Ozark is shitty content. It's bad. And, like, I know it in my heart, having not yes. watched any of it. That that's true. Or I knew. Yes. And we decided one day, like, shit, we gotta watch an Ozark. <laughs> and, like, I don't know why, other than, like, it's a show that, like, no one seems to be watching, but also never seems to go away. Like, it seems like it's always following us a little bit. I've had too many people that I know and respect in my life tell me to watch Ozark. Mm-hmm. And I Same. don't like that. I don't like it. And I just have to tell them, like, no. With no reasoning. Because it doesn't deserve a reason. Yes. Like, just no. But no, it doesn't. But if you also are getting those kinds of questions, we now have a lot of reasons. <laughs> yes. We can give you so many reasons. So many reasons. <laughs> Ozark is a bad show if you take nothing else away from this episode. It's actually bad. It's not just that we didn't enjoy it. It's that it's an objectively bad piece of television. It's so bad. For starters, and this is not an original take, but you literally can't see a fucking thing. Yeah, you can't see anything. Catherine Van Arendonk, our fave, has done a lot of coverage on dark television, which is to say television that is so dark you cannot see the screen. Yeah, and I think that all started with this show. I think she wrote about this specifically with the show at the time, but I remember her writing about watching it in, like, a completely dark room at night with no lights on and on a massive TV and, like, still not being able to see anything. And I was watching this in my kitchen at night with, like, one overhead light on. And it was, like, literally all I could see was the subtitles. I didn't even bother looking at the TV for, like, <laughs> or the laptop, as it were, for, like, like half Ozark the run. has the same DP as that stupid-ass guy from Game of Thrones. Yes. Who decided that the night episode mm-hmm. was going to be too dark to physically distinguish anything. Mm-hmm. Because it speaks to the chaos. Like... You know the people who choose to, like, wear only a certain style of clothing and think that's a personality, but it's actually yes. not? That's what this show is doing with Blue yes. Filter. Except with black and blue. Yeah. Yep. And occasionally gray. Sometimes when it's daytime, they actually make the shot gray. I found that, like, particularly 
difficult for me as someone who has trouble with sunlight (laughs) in that I need a lot of it. (laughs) Like, if it's cloudy for too many days, I have an issue with that, Yeah, you know? Yep. Some minor seasonal whatever. Mm Mm-hmm. Seasonal affective disorder. That's the one. The show doesn't help you with that. No. The show is like, what if we made every episode in England, but also it wasn't raining. It was just bad. It was just Chicago. (laughs) But like not sunny Chicago. Chicago can be beautiful. This was not that. No. No. This was was not that. There was no blue. Not Not the blue that we want anyway. There was like... There was blue. But it was like... It was the bad kind where it's a filter on the lens and you can't see shit. We were in the bad place. We were in the bad place with cinematography. (laughs) Yeah, we sure were. Okay, so do you want a real quick synopsis of this thing? Because I have one for you. Excellent. Hit me. All right. I was trying to, you know, not get us down this path of recapping. Because no one needs it. We just need to tear it apart. No, I mean, there's really nothing... Like, I guess things happen in the episode but it's not about anything correct so so there's no point in recapping yeah so the basic premise here is that you got your jason bateman and he's this middle-aged guy who's a financial advisor in chicago and Mm -hmm. he's in an unhappy marriage and that's like the first half hour of this pilot Mm -hmm. is just him being like man my wife's cheating on me and i'm sad And my life is miserable. Then you find out that he's been moonlighting as a money launderer for like 10 years with his business partner and some truck drivers working for the cartel. And they get busted by the like mob boss, mob boss, like cartel guy, whatever. Bars. Bars. (laughs) 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 It's fine. Um... (laughs) I couldn't hear you for, like, the first ten minutes of this recording because I didn't have my sound on, so... (laughs) Forgive me. (laughs) Do you have any idea how good it feels to not be the one falling apart for the first time in three months? Like... Yeah. I'm really happy for you. (laughs) Anyway. Okay. So Jason Bateman and his friends get busted. For stealing. By the bars. By the bar. <laughs> I was getting cartel and bar, you know, bar. It's fine. He's the bars now. <laughs> He's the bars. That kind of fits. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the bars does some murder. And Jason Bateman basically saves himself with this pitch that's like based on a brochure about the Ozarks and how there's a lot of money there and people don't pay attention to it because it's in Missouri. And he can do some more money laundering there than he was doing in Chicago because all the feds are onto them in Chicago. So the bars is like, okay, great. (laughs) (laughs) So Jason Bateman has to get his whole family to move and leave town and he has to liquidate all of his assets really unsubtly to get the bars' money. And, um, then he does that mostly and they move and then he meets with the bars and the bars is like, okay, you got to clean all this money real quick. And then 
there's more about like the feds and then they move to the Ozarks and that's the end of the episode. Yep. Okay. Yeah, that's the whole thing. <laughs> the bars was was better content in this entire show. It's true. It's true. It's ba- like basically this show is like Bluth crimes, but it's prestige. But it's not prestige also. <laughs> True. It's prestige in the way that we ironically make fun of prestige. Yes, that's correct. Yes. It's like... There is, like, not a single shred of originality in this entire show. I think at some point in time, Jason Bateman decided that there was, like, some kind of cool factor in the way that he stares into the abyss and sighs heavily and has like a very specific, very still stance that he then shakes himself out of very importantly and says something snarky and walks away. And so first he turned that whole shtick into Michael Bluth. And then he was like, okay, there's still something here. Yep. Now let's do crime. And I'm the director. And now this is important (laughs) content. See, that's like the scariest thing to me is that like he's so self-important that now he's like <laughs> combusted into two douchebags instead of just I completely forgot. Like I had known that at one point and then I forgot and we watched the whole episode and then it comes up with the first title card or um, credit yeah. and the first credit is directed by Jason Bateman and I just turned to my husband and I was like, Jason fucking Bateman? <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? For some reason, I was under the impression that he'd only, like, guest-directed an episode here and there. Mm-hmm. That's, so it was, like, I think that's what I thought as well. Really alarming to see that he's Which is just... still possible. It's possible he I mean, just guest-directed the pilot. Oh, he just, like, sucks. <laughs> it's not like we watched any more of it. True. Oh, you know what? I used to know Jason Bateman's height. You should find that. I, I mean, Google the that. thing about the aesthetic... 5'11". Yeah, that's right. Yep, that's correct. <laughs> the aesthetic of this show... we ta- I mean, we were obviously talking about the blue filter element here, right? Mm-hmm. But it's basically like there's no tangible difference between this show and the other Netflix original Bloodline starring Kyle Chandler, Which I've never who also watched. is just as generic in that show as Jason Bateman is here. Mm-hmm. And the coloring is really similar. It's like, seems like they just cut it from the same fucking cloth. Like, they were like, great, this one. And they're, like, equally self-important and also not good, but they, like, try to trick you into thinking they're good with all their fancy cinematography tricks that are not mm-hmm. actually good. Like, the filter. Or, like, complicated plot that doesn't actually mean anything, mean or, anything. or achieve anything yeah mm-hmm. and also like the only other example i could think of that had done this particular like desaturated color choice was the um classic young adult film series twilight yeah <laughs> it is the same i'm sending you a picture right now that's a shot from some episode of the show and it's like somebody was applying all of the various lenses and was like oh i have discovered the concept of contrast because the lighting is blue but the set is brown oh oh 
I haven't gotten oh. it yet, but I'm <laughs> on the edge of my I seat. Because I forgot how to attach things. <laughs> <laughs> Here it is. Like, the thing... Oh. Oh, yes. Wow, they're yes, doing, see? like, so much in this one shot. They did the art. It looks Do you like see how his arm the, to his head camera, makes like one of the thirds? It sh- it sh- does. Yeah, they've got a camera like in a box or in a locker or some shit, and Jason Bateman is like at the other Leaning end of it, looking it. into it. Yeah, wow. But it's lit from the inside, which seems practical. Yep. Wow. I wish I hadn't done our cover art for the show already, because that would be it. Because <laughs> that would be it. <laughs> that is, as they say, an art. An art. An art. Like, the thing about coloring mm. is that there's ways that it can be done for a purpose. Sure. And there's ways that it can be done to be a douchebag. <laughs> yes. And this was the latter. It's like, like I love a good coloring if you're using it for narrative. And then this Oh is my not... god, look at this. This looks like a middle school Photoshop project. Um The thing is that this is very much just trying to signal to a certain type of viewer mm-hmm. that what we are doing is thoughtful and yep. important. But as you're suggesting, there's nothing, like, just because you made their backyard blue, like, doesn't mean you've told me anything now. Right. Like, the example I always go back to with coloring, even though it's a little cliche, is how the Outlander pilot did it really well to show, like, that something had happened and that time had changed by changing the color from, like, a bluer tone to a like yellowy tone yes and a green tone and it it was very effective it was a little on the nose but that's its style yeah (laughs) but it was at least like doing something and it wasn't just like it was doing something and you can make like a a creative argument about it because it's like the dimmer coloring is from the 40s and they were just done with the war and so Mm -hmm. there's a mood and Whatever. So you can make a creative argument for it. And honestly, I would take something that's like a wee bit on the nose because at least it's being honest. Like at least that moment in Outlander is looking at you, the viewer, and being like, I am making a choice. Do you see how this choice works? Mm -hmm. Have you drawn some conclusions now, viewer, about what Mm -hmm. is happening in the story? Mm-hmm. But this is literally just like, we want you to know the mood of the show is negative. Right. We don't feel good. It's just like, it's not achieved well. Like, if Big Little Lies is another example. They've done something like this, but they also have like really vibrant colors and they do it in a way that isn't. I was going to say, that's a very blue show, isn't it? It's a blue show, but not in the same way. Okay. And they they use it differently. They mm-hmm. use it for, like, moodier moments, but they're not, like... It's not like you're looking at everything with sunglasses on. 
It's not like this woman's skin is blue now. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone is E.T. Or something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It feels like... This feels like like the virtue signaling of television. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that was the thing I was thinking about a lot is I think like... So the, the premise is like... This man has it all. He has his career and he's made a lot of money and he has a wife and kids and he's living the American dream. And yet somehow he's dissatisfied. So I guess he has to do crime to discover himself. But he's been doing crime. He's been doing the crimes, but then he had to like get deep in crime. Yeah. He had to like... Because it was sort of implied that his business partner was the one doing the crimes. And he was just He'd like been doing in the, the money laundering, of the crimes. But he hadn't been doing the stealing. I see. I see. He was doing like one less level of crime. One slightly less crime. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like there is a certain demographic. I'm not going to say mediocre white men, but probably them too. Mm-hmm. Who watches the show and thinks like... Yeah, I feel that. And, like, I feel like so much of the point of the anti-hero narrative is for people to live vicariously as to, like, who they think they could be. Yeah. If they were masterminds or if they were just a little bit braver or, like, took more risks or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like a bizarre wish fulfillment. And so I, like, I think in that sense, it's, like, less virtue signaling in the sense that if you tell people you watch Ozark, people are going to think that you're, like, smart, and more virtue signaling in the sense that, like, people watch Ozark for themselves to believe something about, like, who they are deep down inside. But people watch Ozark to th- and think that they're, like, watching prestige TV, and that's where I'm that saying, too. like... <laughs> yeah, no, that is true, like... I suppose. <laughs> and there's a certain... In my experience, there's a certain type of person who watches the show, and may they be the same person who watches Yellowstone? Probably. <laughs> it feels like there's a lot of overlap with, like, so, like, I have taken a similar stance on Watchmen and um, Westworld. I think those are very different. I just want to be clear. Okay. Because I feel like they're the same. They're not the I same. I put them all in the same camp. Because the people who like Ozark are the same people who like those two. I I agree more on the Westworld side of things, but yes. Okay. Watchmen is like, has some merit to it from what I hear. Okay. <laughs> I can't, I've never watched it. I can't say anything. Maybe it'll be in our pilot palooza. There you go. We I think don't it's. Know. Oh no, I started to say I think it's too old, but that that's award show rules, not Pilot Palooza rules. Mm. Mm-hmm. We get tripped up on those every time. And there's too many rules. <laughs> Unlike rules. in Ozark, where there are not enough rules. Like I'm just so bored of this type of content and this type of story, and like the show is so painfully masculine and painfully yes. like dry and unimaginative and i just hated it <laughs> and like the marlini thing, get out of this show you're too good for get this show. you're better than this i mean the thing is like 
I don't even feel like there's anywhere to go with it because, like, I don't care if he ever reconciles with his wife. She seems like a shitty character. Mm -hmm. He seems like a shitty husband. She's in clearly an abusive situation. Mm-hmm. I don't care if they ever reconcile. Why would I want to see them fix that? Or why would I even want to see her, like, leave him? Because she seems like a shitbag, too. Right. And then he has these two shitty children. Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't want to watch several seasons of them being tortured by well, all of this. The thing. Like, the entire narrative, I can already tell you, is just going to be, like titillating like suspense yeah. that doesn't actually mean anything or go anywhere like that's what right. they always do it's just drama for the sake of drama it's breaking bad without the cancer so it's just gonna be because all no of the cartel stuff like, yeah yeah mm-hmm. like who's getting kidnapped this week mm-hmm. who does he owe money to this week what and breaking did the... bad was novel because it there weren't a lot of shows out there like it i now there found... are many now there are too many, and this is one of them. There is an article that is headlined, Jason Bateman knows the Ozark ending. I don't give a shit. Like, well, I would imagine, yeah. as the creator, that he might. Oh, guess what? This series shaped his career. You sure about that? It wasn't like your childhood acting job that shaped your career buddy it's emmy nominated star and executive producer looks back on how the series has shaped his career i think it did actually get canceled finally just for whatever that's worth i think it's getting one more this was august 25th of 2020 it's what three seasons yeah yeah I could be wrong, but I thought there was an end in sight, and I got excited about that. No, you're right, because as of August of 2020, when this was written, Mm. it was the end. The fourth season is the last. You know who would love this show? Hmm. Matthew B. Roberts. This is MBR shit right here. Absolutely. (laughs) This is a deep cut, but sure Yeah. Can I, like address two things that really got me mm-hmm. all riled up. Okay, the first one is uh, this show again, with its filter, we know. We're very moody, it's blue filter. But also, they show him in his business place, taking a meeting, a financial planning meeting with oh, some yes. people. And it's literally like he has the lights off and the curtains drawn. Like, who who among us is going to a meeting in a dark office in the middle of the day? With their financial planner. Yeah, like, th- what? There's no, like, that was just a choice. And the other choice is his fucking ringtone on his phone. Oh, I thought you were going to address the fact that he watches porn while the clients are in the room. I didn't even want to acknowledge that. Okay. I didn't even want to dignify that. Because with... that the thing the thing I felt about that is that it's but unnecessary. It, wasn't porn, it was his wife. Was was it him and his wife? No, it was his wife and the other guy, and he put his... like a nanny cam in their house. It's fine. Oh, okay, the, I there were multiple parts of the plot that I was not clear on. <laughs> I didn't know until almost the end of the episode that he was part of the money laundering too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought he had just like made that up during the hostage situation. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, so the thing about that 
is that if they wanted to do the sketchy wife porn, there are any number of other ways that they could have told you that he is, one, unhappy in his marriage, two, that she's cheating, and three, that he knows. Uh-huh. But then he watched the porn with the clients in the room in the darkened office with the windows drawn. (laughs) That's also a corner office, so it is full of reflective glass. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And then he watches it in the living room with his wife next to him. Yeah. Not paying attention as if any man's ever been that subtle. Yep. Never mind Jason Bateman. (laughs) Never mind Jason Bateman in so many ways. So here's a quote. That's going to give you the feels. Jason Bateman is talking about this last season. And he says, the fact that people ended up watching Ozark is the part that you have zero control over, but that encourages us to keep going and make it better and slightly more challenging. It's been very gratifying and fuels me to take on a bigger, more challenging swing on the next project. Like, I don't think you have no control over someone watches your show. Is like the best stance to take as a showrunner. <laughs> <laughs> like we made a thing. If you think it sucks, don't watch it. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like go. Netflix is gonna pay us either fucking way. So watch it or don't. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> oh <laughs> like, God. Where? <laughs> I like so severely dislike him. Me too. Me too. This show is a really good reminder of why I was 0% surprised when he got in trouble during the initial blow-up of the Me Too stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I'll never forget. Never forget. Jason Bateman. Yeah. He's just, like, so fucking arrogant. So arrogant and so short. So short. He's got in, short man in energy. In an emotional way, yeah. Yes, he's got short man energy. 5'11 is normally a, a, it's on the, on the line of height. So it's like a somewhat respectable height, but he's a short 5'11. Yeah, he's like a real 5'7, 5'11. He's a real 5'7 of the 5'11s. <laughs> <laughs> the other line that made me laugh for a long time, because like, who the fuck is writing this show? Like a, a room full of 50 year old men. Um, yes. He's in the bank trying to extract his $8 million. Oh my god. Yes. Real casual like. And he's like, he's like, you know what I'm gonna do if you don't give me my money? I'm gonna go in the lobby and I'm gonna shout that I can't get my money. And you know that'll go viral like that. And I'm like, one, how many people are in a bank lobby at any given time? Like, three. (laughs) Two, none of them are gonna record that on their cell phone well and who's in the bank lobby and here's a crazy man shouting i can't get my money and thinks oh it's the beginning of the great depression and the bank doesn't have enough money to secure my funds so i need to withdraw and unbank myself immediately at this very second in the lobby of the bank it's like this is fucking mary poppins like no There are multiple scenes where, like, leading up to him trying to get his money, where he's on the phone with people and they're like, uh, sir, we can't give you $8 million tomorrow because that's not how money works. And you're a financial advisor, so I think you know that. And he would be like, well, let me tell you about the liquidity laws of the blah, blah, blah. 
And then he... FDIC, FDIC. <laughs> and then it, all of these, like... Uh, bank owners on the other end of the phone like cower behind the majesty of the <laughs> privately employed financial advisor <laughs> who knows more about the bank than they do i would rather read my mortgage line by line <laughs> than listen to this fucking show <laughs> <laughs> listen to jason bateman mansplain to the abyss yeah banking works <laughs> Based on like four Google yes. searches. Yes. <laughs> oh my god. Like I too can string together many words and sound quite impressive. No one's giving me eight million dollars tomorrow. Nope. I love too that the feds show up and are like, there's no legal reason to get eight million dollars in cash. Yeah. And he's like, Oh yeah, there is. And the feds are like, <laughs> okay. Yeah, sure. So casual. And then, speaking of men giving monologues, the federal agent gives this bizarre monologue about something, something in Muslims. Do you remember the line? No, I don't. It's this, like, long extended metaphor, and it's it's something, something in Muslims. And then he has, like, three lines that follow that, like, addresses each thing, and it's like... Something, something in Muslims, whether they're blah, 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 or crashing planes into buildings. Oh, like, yeah. And, and it's supposed to be, like, some kind of statement to mm -hmm. the younger agent mm -hmm. about, like, the meaning of life mm. as an FBI agent. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. It's... That's the caliber of writing that it's we're dealing with. It's all just a long way to say that this is men at work. Oh, like everyone has enough of this in their life. Correct. Let me tell you what I'm not going to watch for pleasure. Jason Bateman doing this. No. <laughs> no. Literally all of this. It's too much of it. I just feel like so validated knowing that I was right all along. Correct. I mean, we always knew we were going to be right no matter what. Yeah. But I was, like, a little worried. I was like, what if it's, like, a little bit good? But it was so, so bad. It made me blue filter in my soul. <laughs> How's that? That sure is something. <laughs> Do you... All right, would you take... Red filter or blue filter? Red filter. Because wow. say what you will about the red filter movie. It was narrative. It, it was narrative very purpose. narrative. <laughs> it was narrative. It was very narrative. <laughs> it had a lot to say through the color. It did. And it, it took you on a journey. A lot to say. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't subtle. No. But it achieved something. I it suppose. achieved a thing. Which is really yeah. all we're asking storytelling to do is to like achieve anything. You know, it's the, I think the worst thing, this is just coming to me now, but the sure. worst thing about the blue filter is like, if you're watching TV, I don't know what's in your glass. I don't know now. either. I'm trying to decide if I'm going to risk it, which I think I am. Anyway, yeah, go for it. Like you're watching a visual medium and you want to like, 
engage with that. Mm-hmm. Like the blue filter just like diminishes any sort of like vibrancy that watching anything would give to it. <laughs> well, the thing I think about no all the time, s- like you're not stimulated by the color. Like there's n- no. nothing, and then that means if you're doing that right, you really want someone to pay attention to the content or something. Right. And guess what? The content sucks. <laughs> well, the thing I always think about is what a wasted investment it is because behind all that mm-hmm. blue and black filter was yeah. a set and a costume department and a really fucking expensive camera and really fucking expensive lighting. And Not to mention, like, the colorists are expensive. Well, that's what I was just going to say. Like, the paid professionals who set up the shots and do the editing and, like, all of the things that go into creating the visual... And then for the person at home who paid money for a good television, and then you put all of these things together across all of the vertical and horizontal integrations of the business systems (laughs) that create content. This is our college degree at work. You end up with a picture so fucking dark that all you can see is Jason Bateman's beady little eyes peering to the side inside of his car as he like jacks off or whatever the fuck he was doing out there. Who knows? Yep. Yep. You know, I almost shut this whole thing off because I thought they were going to try and rip off my favorite Mad Men shot of all time when they went to look at the building space. Oh. And I was literally like, had my remote in my hand with the phone across the room. Yeah. (laughs) No, don't you dare. (laughs) Don't you dare. Yeah. He did not, but he wanted to. You know he wanted to. Yep. So we hate the show, and we're permanently mad at Jason Bateman and also all white men. Yeah. Hashtag not all men except all men. If you would like to watch a show about a family who has a complicated relationship with the with the law. <laughs> And it also involves the feds. May I suggest the Americans? Yeah. <laughs> it is much better. <laughs> and they don't use color like that. <laughs> I suppose the blue fl- blue filter would not be very 80s themed. No, they certainly like have uh, have moments where it's called for, but no (laughs) no it's a far better production it does not involve jason bateman that's all you need to know that's all you need to know that's good (laughs) enough for me yeah and if you have other suggestions of things that people should watch that don't star jason bateman Mm. you can find us on twitter at hey watch with us or you can find our website, hatewatchwithus.com, where we have lots of content that also does not involve Jason Bateman. Occasionally some content that does. He's popped up in our backlog before. Yeah, I mean, like, we talked about the scary seasons of Arrested Development. Yeah. A long time ago. Um, yeah, so that's our website. You, I did Twitter, and you can email us, <laughs> hatewatchwithus at gmail.com. That's all the places, right? <laughs> Uh, oh, leave reviews. us a review on iTunes and tell us your least favorite use of Blue Filter with a five-star review. Yes. Only five stars, please. Only five stars, please. <laughs> if you, you can leave us any other star review, but don't talk to us about Blue Filter, because if it's not a five-star review, then you're not qualified. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you want to hear about things that probably aren't Blue Filter, you can find them over at the Thought Bubble Audio Network, of which we are a part. They have a lot of other shows like Beer with Geeks and Academy Rewind, and you can find them, I don't ever do this part, uh, by searching Thought Bubble Audio in your internet browser. (laughs) (laughs) Just Google Thought Bubble Audio and they'll come up in some places. (laughs) ThoughtBubbleAudio.com, ThoughtBubbleAudio, Gmail.com, ThoughtBubbleFM on Twitter, and you can search them on Patreon because we don't know how Patreon URLs work. Yep. That's it. We've had plenty of time to learn and we've chosen not to, much like a mediocre white man doing crimes. Hey! (laughs) (laughs) Thank you and goodbye. Bye.